Hello, this is Technology Corner for the week of August 6th. 2006. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. This week we start with a little trip back in the Internet Wayback Machine. No, this is not the Rocky and Bullwinkle thing with Mr. Peabody and his boy. Uh, This is an Internet project that takes you back, sometimes embarrassingly, to the early days of the Internet. For example, I can go back to some of the old technology corner programs that I no longer have on my machine, that we no longer have on the web. They fell off both of those places because of space considerations at some point, but they're still out there in the Wayback Machine. In fact, I went back and found one from November 17, 1996. I was comparing computers to... Well, what do I usually compare computers to? I was comparing them to cars. What else? At the time, I said we were no longer in the Model T era, but we're really not very far removed from it in 1996. Comparing computers to cars, I thought, well, maybe we're in about the mid-1920s. The first motorists, of course, had to know how to take care of their cars, had to be able to take them apart, essentially rebuild an engine, replace a tire on a regular basis. Uh, they would know, have to know how to, uh, to get the car to go up a steep grade, and in some cases, probably most cases, uh, because there was no fuel pump in those days, they had to use gravity, which meant they had to, and the fuel tanks were in the back, they had to back up some hills if they were steep enough because the car would run out of fuel because of the gravity feed if they tried to go up forward. Well, early computer users had to learn some of the same kinds of tricks, and in some cases we're we're still at that point. What about today's computers, I said in 1996? Well, I said that my computer certainly doesn't work all the time. I do seem to spend a lot of time testing software, so undoubtedly I spend more time tinkering with the computer than most people do. But I said despite the efforts to standardize things, We still have the equivalent of a car with a gear shift in the glove box. How accurate is that today? Well, I think it's still an accurate analogy. Computers crash a lot less than they used to. The last time one of my XP machines crashed, and that was just a few months ago, it wasn't a software problem, it was a hardware problem. A memory module was failing. Once that was replaced, everything has been fine. Apple's OS X still locks up occasionally. Uh, but I am getting better at finding a way just to kill the offending application without having to restart the entire machine. So maybe we're the late 1950s now. The cars had huge tail fins. I'm not sure what the equivalent of that is on today's computers, but they have come a long way from where they were in the 1930s, or for computers in the mid-1990s. Things are much better today, obviously. Computers have come along to the point where we probably have the equivalent of the gear shift in the trunk. Looking a little further down the list, I found a December 1st, 1996 program in which I took a look at some of the software version numbers. You know, every time a piece of software is released, it gets a new version number. They do updates. If you have a, a major revision, you go from version 1 to version 2, from version 2 to version 3. The other step releases indicate minor changes. Version 1.0 software at the time was known as version 1.0, uh or barely out of beta. The explanation was we had to release because the lab guys had reached a point of exhaustion and the marketing guys were in a cold sweat of terror. We're praying that you'll find it more functional than, say, a computer virus and that the operation has some resemblance to that specified in the marketing copy. It then follows the application from version 1.1, 
1.2, 2.0, all the way up to version 6.1. And it rings about as true today as it did then. This week I happened to notice my pretty little blue IBM's electric typewriter, the one that had been modified for use with a Russian type ball, sitting forlorn, unused for probably a decade. The Selectric typewriter certainly was the undisputed king of the office for at least a couple of decades. When personal computers began to take the place of typewriters, IBM made what a lot of people thought was a bold or perhaps foolish move and got out of the typewriter business. They sold the Selectric business unit, and it continued to sell typewriters for a few years, but slowly sank out of sight. Well, in late 2004... IBM announced it would be selling its personal computer division to China's Lenovo Group. Hmm, wonder what they knew that Lenovo didn't. How's it working out? Well, Lenovo may be the world's number three maker of personal computers, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But it doesn't mean they are immune from market pressures. Lenovo says first quarter profits fell 89% and blames rising competition and also blames $19 million in costs that it incurred when it had to cut some jobs. Lenovo is, of course, a Chinese company. Its headquarters happen to be in Purchase, New York, though. Lenovo picked up the IBM personal computer division for $1.25 billion. Lenovo is battling the, the two biggies in the market, Dell and HP, for market share. Net income for Lenovo's first quarter, which ended June 30th, declined from $46 million last year to $5 million. I said Lenovo is number three. That's true. Lenovo is number three in making IBM-type computers, the kind of computer that runs Windows. Apple is not included in there, but Apple is actually the largest individual computer manufacturer in the world. It doesn't have a very big market share, but if you buy an Apple computer, you have bought a computer made by Apple. You buy a Windows computer, it may have been made by Dell, by HP, by any of hundreds of smaller organizations all around the country. So even though Apple has about a 5.8% market share, and that's the word from Apple's hometown newspaper, the San Jose Mercury News, they still make an awful lot of computers. Oh, and by the way, that 5.8% is in the U.S. If you take Apple's share worldwide, drops down to about 2%. Definitely a niche market. Taking a look at Nerdly News, AOL continues to shrink. Nearly a quarter of AOL's workers will soon no longer be employed by AOL. About 26% are going to be laid off. The company says it's going to terminate 5,000 employees within six months. AOL has been struggling for a long time. Because once people get broadband connectivity, they see little point in paying AOL an extra $10 a month for what's essentially a dumbed-down interface. Uh, Tech-savvy users have typically avoided AOL even when only dial-up was available. So in trying to figure out what to do to keep collecting money from users, AOL is now going to offer free email and some other services. Now, wait a minute. They're going to collect money from users for free service. No, they're, what, here's what they're doing. They have a new business model. This is probably about their fourth business model in about the same number of years. Uh, what they're going to do is they're going to go to the advertising model. 
So you get these free services, you get free email, you get free anti-spyware, you get free spam filtering, you get free access to AOL's community content, you get a free local phone, you get a free local phone number. Why do you want a phone number if you've got broadband? Well, never mind. Uh, maybe there are still some people who would need that. You will be getting that essentially for free. Now, they're still going to continue to sell their services for those people who unquestioningly want to pay for it. But if you don't want to pay for it, you'll now be able to get it for free. AOL is also looking for a way to dump the European access business. Uh, That has not worked out very well for Time Warner, so they're looking for a way to get rid of that. So AOL almost looks like a failing radio station that hops from one format to another. Country and Western this week, rock next week, talk the week after that, and they continue to sink. AOL, in fact, is processing far more cancellations than subscriptions every month. About one million users canceled in the second quarter of this year alone. AOL has about 18 million subscribers now. That's down about 30% since 2002. Circuit City's doing something kind of interesting. It may be something that their legal department isn't quite aware that they're doing. Let's say you have a DVD. It's a DVD that you purchased. But you also have a handheld device that plays videos. You'd like to convert that DVD to run on the handheld device. Well, you can't do that yourself because there aren't applications available legally to do that. And it's illegal because our friends and geniuses in Washington created the Digital Millennium Copyright Act that makes any use of DVDs other than just putting them into a player and watching them illegal. Well, now Circuit City says it's going to offer a DVD video transfer service that will convert commercial DVDs for use on those portable devices. Ten bucks for one DVD, twenty for three, thirty dollars for five. But if you're interested, you better get in there now, because either somebody in the legal department is going to notice it and shut the service down, or Circuit City's legal department is going to hear from the Motion Picture Association of America. The MPAA was, of course, the chief beneficiary of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, and the organization wields that act as a large club. The sad thing is that Circuit City's service makes a lot of sense. If you have purchased a DVD and all you want to do is watch the movie, it doesn't matter, or it shouldn't matter, where you want to watch it. If you want to watch it on your home TV, that's fine. If you want to watch it on your computer, that's fine. If you want to watch it on a portable device, that should be fine. But the MPAA would prefer that you buy a regular DVD for use at home and then buy the same movie again in another form for use on a portable player. Makes sense for them, not for us. Thanks for listening. This has been Technology Corner for the week of August 6th, 2006. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website www.techbiter.com and you can send email from there too.